Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. We've all been there, working with a colleague who's competing rather than cooperating with us. It's awkward. I'm joined today by Corinne Cantor. Hi there. And Liana Sangster. Hello. And we've got a letter from a listener this week who's dealing with this situation. So if I go into the letter, Dear Culture Bites, I recently started working with a new company. I'm part of a small team of three. From the time I started, I found one of my colleagues was quite distant. She never reached out during my onboarding, as most people would for a new teammate. Recently, our manager resigned, and now my colleague's behavior has changed from being distant to being very aggressive and competitive. She asks for updates on projects she was never involved in, requests to be in meetings she doesn't need to be in, and gives strong opinions on everything I do. During meetings with higher management, she jumps in the spotlight by presenting what I'm working on and doesn't involve me in giving the presentation. She told me that she has applied to the team manager role. A general manager is aware of the situation and has said that my colleague may not be ready to leave. However, I also know that recruitment is challenging, so there is a good chance she could get the role. I'm worried about my career prospects if she becomes my future manager. What should I do? So it's a tricky one, this. It's, yeah. It's faced with that situation where, you know, you've got a colleague who's, who's not really, well, you feel is not your ally, and they're kind of working to steal some of the spotlight from you. How do you work with this person? So it's a really difficult situation. What I notice about what our listener has written in is that there's a lot that's not being said in this conversation between these two people. I also notice that what is actually happening, and it's quite common, is when we don't like somebody's behaviour, we try and understand it, and we try and understand it by making some stories and judgments and assumptions. So at the moment, there's a lot of information that we in the podcast, we don't have, but there's a belief, a perception that the person is being competitive, that the reason that they're asking for information from this person about their project is because they're trying to manage them, that the reason that they've spoken up in a meeting with the MD is because they're trying to garner the spotlight. Now, maybe that's true, but it could also be that these are the stories in our head that we're telling ourselves to explain what we perceive to be a change in behaviour. So one of the problems with that is that once you have that thought in your head that the person is coming from a suspect motive, competitive, you will find evidence that backs it because you're going to see everything, all of their behaviour through that lens. The confirmation bias. Correct, confirmation. So, And this is a problem because there's a real need to have a discussion with the things that are bothering this person. Until you have that discussion, you can't get clarity. And so what happens, you keep validating the stories in your head. That are stories, they're not truth. You know, with respect to our listener, I know that it ultimately, you know, it totally feels like they're being competitive and, and yep. maybe they are, but at the moment you, it's really important that you find a way to addressing this conversation, having conversation with this person in order to establish some understanding, common understanding, common ground about how you two would like to work together while a new team manager is being recruited. And I think that might be part of the problem here is that 
they're pairs, right? They're both in the team. Mm. But now it feels like the other teammate is assuming mm. that position mm. of the manager. Mm. It reminds me of the Stephen Covey quote, the way you see the problem <clears throat> is the problem. Kind of what you're getting at mm. there, mm. Corinne. It sounds a little bit like this listener is getting a bit frustrated, right, naturally, mm. because missing opportunities to present their Senior own work. leaders, yeah. Yeah, and feeling perhaps a little bit like, who are you for asking about my, yes. you know, my, who do yeah, you think right. you are, right? Because I don't report to you, right? And But yeah. you're kind of acting like hmm. I do. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Yeah, which is naturally frustrating. And so, oh gosh, where do you go with this? There's a lot going on in her mind. I probably agree with what Corinne mentioned there around, you know, creating the story to suit, you know, the attribution, right? So when we talk about forming inferences or assumptions or looking at other people's behaviours, we attribute it based on what we see, what we think, and how we see the world around us. And so first up, I think that there is a, an opportunity for the individual to kind of really work through what is bothering her and ultimately what what is it that she would like to see mm, change. Mm. Is she looking for you know, a cohesive relationship where they work together and bounce ideas off each other? Is that the type of relationship which she would like with this individual? So work out what's frustrating you and then work out what is the type of, of uh, working relationship you would like. Because even if this, do, this individual does become your manager, you can still, that still be a valuable conversation to have. This is how I work well, you know. If that means I really like working relationship where I can come and have open discussions with you about projects that I'm on and I like to be held accountable and responsible to present them, that's something that's important to me, then that wouldn't be a bad thing for you to mm. be doing. I think that's a great idea. And how you might approach that is to say, you know, I'm conscious of the fact that um, I've been with the organisation now for three months and we, up until recently, we've had very little to do with each other. So now that while we're waiting for a new leader to come on board, this is a great opportunity for us to work together a bit more closely and understand how we can work together to best effect and to, you know, proceed the way Liana talked about it. And it's interesting because that approach is kind of saying, it's almost pointing out, hey, you're not my manager, right? Because it's saying, while we're waiting for our new manager, how are we going to work together in the interim? So mm. it's almost kind of bringing that up in not too direct way and kind of calling out yeah. the behavior, but actually saying, you know, how are we going to bridge the gap until we do have a manager? Yeah. And I think it is a good conversation to have anyway, even if this person does become their manager. The alternative is they could have the conversation. It feels like you have moved into managing me, you know, and I'm confused by that behaviour. Mm. Can we talk about it? It's terrifying, that conversation. It is though, terrifying, it? It is ter- but it's an option. And look, there is a, there's a self-actualising component of, in an undefended way, saying, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, uncomfortable with this. This mm. is making me feel like you're assuming responsibility as my manager, can we talk about it? You know, mm. there is something kind of relieving about just calling it, not in an, an attacking way, but just in a, this is how I'm experiencing the situation. And this is what I've observed, you know, in this meeting, I was surprised that you spoke about my project without referring to me or letting me know that you were going to do it. Because it could be one of those things where we're attributing the motive, right, as we yeah. talked about. Mm. So it could be like she saw the other person jump in the spotlight and present on her project and she's like, oh, she knows what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. But maybe they're not aware of it. So I guess it's having that conversation of like, I'm pointing out that, you know, I was surprised that you did that. I would have thought that I would have presented on my project, right? And I think like a personal story for me, I'm one of my LSI 
retests, I got some feedback from my higher level manager that they thought that I was being competitive. Probably would have been above the 50th, but not quite to the 75th. And um, I looked at that and I just thought, wow, knock me for a six because it was my blind. I had no intention mm. of being competitive. So we sat down and I had a conversation. I said, I'm really surprised by this. Help me understand what am I doing? And he said, the feedback that I got, which was great feedback, was that he'd given me a number of projects to do. And what he'd observed is that I'd gone off and just done the work myself. So, and then brought people in once I'd kind of worked out what the solution mm. was. And he thought that I was being competitive as a way of showing off, I guess. And that surprised me. But I thought, yeah, I could see why you would think that. But that is your thinking around it. What was happening for me was I was trying to juggle a number of projects that had competing priorities. And I will admit that it was much easier to just work alone and get things done in an efficient way mm. than it was to do it in a team way. But that was a, so that to me is a good example where somebody had started to attribute competitive behavior to me, but it actually wasn't where I was coming from. It wasn't because I was trying to shine. It wasn't because I was trying to show off, but I could see why they went there with it. It was just because I was desperately trying to manage my time and, and my goals. So what I took out of there was, okay, right. Okay. We've got to reset. That isn't where I'm coming from. It was good for him to know that that wasn't where I was coming from. And so we got an appreciation of what was happening in both of our respective worlds. And I got clear that I couldn't continue to do projects this way, that I had to bring people on the journey with me. So it took that kind of honest feedback. Yeah, guess, right? yeah. This is how we're perceiving yeah. it. Yeah, it was great. It was a gift because I could have ended up damaging the relationships. It's really interesting, actually. You just got me thinking about, you know, I do have a propensity for a little bit of competitive in my profile. And I'm reflecting on a, an experience where I was actually working in London and it was uh, so adding in that other layer of cross-cultural workplaces where you come from a norm where standing out is important. Now, just reflecting on that situation, it was a non-profit. And what I learned from that situation, again, I had a short space of time to achieve an outcome. And in needing to do that, I probably put the pedal to the metal quite quickly, needed to cross-collaborate. And the feedback I got as well was that I was sort of one-upping or, or trying to sort of show up as better than others where in, in my intent it was I'm really under the pump. And so that just made me think about some of the challenges when you're potentially working in different cultures or organisations that might be more passive, for example. They could see that real generation, that real kind of self-driven kind of proactive approach can sometimes be perceived as competitive or individualistic in some essence. I think in that instance, what did I do differently? I, I probably wasn't spending enough time bringing others along the journey, if I'm being really honest, but the intent was definitely about just getting some runs on the board. So yeah, to your point, the mm. difference between attribution and intent can be mixed up a little bit. Do you think though, so in this case, she talked about the change, right? That during the onboarding time, mm. very distant, mm. and then suddenly mm. has gone to like all over her. But that's, that's an interpretation Okay, that's the beginning of the story. Without knowing, I mean, you know, in everything that we're saying is it's quite possible that it is competitive behaviour. Right. You know, that it is as the person believes it to be. 
we don't have enough information here mm-hmm. to know, but I guess the, the point is to ask yourself, why do I believe that to be the case? What is the evidence? Because once that thought is seeded with you, everything that they do will be cast in that light. So I think they observed a change. So they might have observed a change distant to closer, you know. Mm-hmm. What they don't know is why the change happened. And that's where they're ascribing or inferring a motive. And if you look at it, this is going to be the pain point, is the motive behind it. So I think she needs to consider what are her options. You know, doing nothing is an option, you know, and just living with it and seeing what happens, which is what most people would do. They, you know, put up with it and eventually if the person gets the job, she might leave because she doesn't like it. So do nothing is one option. Another option is to take the approach that we talked about, which is kind of the midway. Let's work out how you and I can work to best effect while we're waiting for a leader to be recruited. The other thing is to actually say, I have observed this and I'm struggling with it a little bit. It feels like you are moving into a management role. Can we talk about that? And that opens up the same conversation. And I think as a build on that, and this is where, you know, the opportunity for self-growth comes into it is to how can you empathize as well? You know, so if this individual Mm. does feel the need, let's say, you know, to show up and compete, how do you start to understand and empathize with that individual to know what it is they're trying to prove? And it's kind of taking the higher ground, I guess, in terms of really understanding the motivation behind human behavior. So they could actually use it as their own development Mm. opportunity, right? Mm. And say, okay, well, how am I going to learn to deal with this person, right, in a constructive Definitely. way? Because I think it's, it's easy in these situations when you've got a teammate being competitive with you or anyone being competitive with you, for that matter, to slip into the same behavior, right, and kind of go back and forth with, well, if you're going to cut my grass, I'm going to cut your lunch kind of thing. <laughs> and it's where resentment breeds as well. Yeah. And resentment breeds. And even if this person doesn't get the manager role, they're still going to be the teammate, right? So mm. you've got to find a way working with it to work with them. And I think one of the things is sometimes, I know for myself, sometimes if I perceive somebody else as being competitive, may well be that's my competitive that I'm seeing, <laughs> you know, so I'm having some behavior reflected back on me and I'm projecting. But so I think that's something to consider. What is it that's real issue here for me? How would I like it to be? The other thing that I think is really important is once you get into this headspace, it uh, builds a barrier between you and the other person. And so you, one of the, the tricks I guess I have that help me is to remember to have a constructive conversation. You have to be committed to preserving the relationship. Mm. Yeah, if that is an objective, my commitment is to make sure that we walk out of here still, you know, still colleagues and still keeping the relationship Mm. intact. That changes your direction. So it's a commitment to keeping the relationship and and prioritising a constructive relationship. It's so important because people are very astute when it comes to picking up on the energy and Mm. the motivation and how you show up. And Mm. so going in with that mindset around, I really, really want us to get an effective outcome here. I want us to work together. My intention is to build, not not destroy. And it's not comfortable for me right now. And I I want it to be. 
You know, I want right. it to be. I want it to be mm. to a point where I'm not just comfortable working with you, but I really enjoy it and that we're a fantastic yeah. allies. But to do that and, you know, all this stuff, it's much easier to say than it is to do. <laughs> Absolutely. But you've got to drop your agenda. So it means you've got to drop that story. So I think it's a bit of reflection for this person about what they need, how do they want to work. Because yeah. when you start that conversation, it helps if you can say this is what I'd prefer. And it's starting with the facts, right? So not coming in with your story, which is your interpretation. Correct. Right? But coming mm. in with the facts. This is what I've seen. This happened in this meeting, so mm. on and so on. Mm. And maybe even at a higher level, talking about the pattern, right, rather mm. than specific cases. Mm. But this is what I'm noticing. My interpretation of that, the yeah. story I have is this, mm. right? And confirming that or not mm. with the person because, mm. you know, we can agree on the facts because facts are facts, but it's our interpretation that we put on the story is when we sit split ways, right, mm. go different different paths. And you could say that my initial, it feels like, and my initial perception of it is this, that you are competing with me and... I'm bringing it up now because I really want us to have a positive working relationship and I just want to check in so that we can find a better way that works for both of us. So a lot of this reminds me of Crucial Conversations. Yeah. If you've read yeah. that book, it's all about let's get the story straight and what I am trying to do, what I'm not trying mm. to do, mm. and working out what's really important for me in this conversation. Mm. Is it winning, winning the point, or is it building a constructive relationship going forward, right, and being super clear on that. And part of it is the role negotiation. So what is it that you need from me? How can I support you? And this is really what I'd like from you. Absolutely. So some of the tips that I've picked up from this was was looking at the perception versus reality. Mm. So we have a story we tell ourselves, is that really what's going on or not? And we have to be aware that we're adding our own interpretation of events to that as well as what's the real issue for me. Mm. So what's really going on? What am I really concerned with here? And being kind of clear about what that is. Then we've got a couple of different ways to approach it. So one's the do nothing, right? We mm. can wait, we can sit it out, we can see what happens. And a lot of people would do that, right? And then maybe once a new manager is assigned, whether that's this person or someone else, then kind of picking up the conversation from there. But at some point, I guess you're always going to have to have a conversation. So that's kind of the next point was around, you know, having that honest conversation saying, you know, let's work out how we're going to work together mm. and coming in with, this is what I have observed. Can we talk about it? Yeah. And it's, it's tough, right? It's a, it's a tough conversation to have. It is, it is tough, but it is important because we are only ever in control of what we do. Yep. And the only way that you can start to feel good about this relationship is to clear the air and to have the conversation assume some positive intent and then at least you can feel that you've done everything that you could do right if at that point there's still no movement then you've done what you can do yeah absolutely well i think that's fantastic feedback i hope that helps our listener <laughs> me too if you have a question that you'd like us to answer you can email it in podcast at human-synergistics.com.au we'd love to answer it so get writing get writing good luck Thanks for your time today, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Tom.